0: am recording hey everybody you've reached the mayfair podcast i'm eric i'm andrew and this is josh it is wednesday february 10th and full disclosure we did this podcast already and i screwed up (laughs) it takes
1: a big (laughs) man to admit he ruined the podcast
0: so this will be an interesting experiment where to see if with the notes we've taken if we can naturally and without seeming like too scripted, kind of talk about the same things we talked about yesterday. And I'm sure we'll go off track and just talk about other things. And plus that, I just say that we did it. So that's, it's not like a secret,
1: Yeah, it was pretty good. I feel like higher energy today anyways. Josh had been like, oh, you want to re-record it right now or tomorrow? And I was like, tomorrow? (laughs) Like, I hadn't even had dinner yet. And I was just like, I couldn't imagine. I almost want to do it because it would have been so low energy and we, we all would have been, like, deflated.
0: And it's just one of those things, like, I'm sure it's the same with anything. If you're recording, if you're doing music. What I can't imagine is back in the day, I remember hearing Stephen King tell stories about In the early mid-70s, writing a book on a typewriter, which I can't even imagine how people did that, to be honest, then you have your master copy, and you don't have the file saved anywhere, and it's not on a computer, and it's not in a cloud, and there's horror stories of writers losing rough drafts and interviews and all that kind of stuff, and so... Yeah, at least it's a little easier now to not do that.
1: I like that you're comparing our podcast to the original manuscript for The (laughs) Running Man or something. It's got to be The Running Man.
0: People be so sad that they missed out on the magic that we talked about yesterday.
1: It was good. There was quality stuff. It was most important. Well, what's funny is... I actually, I didn't get to talk about the bad movies that I had watched, which were especially chosen for Black History Month. So you can imagine how terrible it went because there's a lot of like, it's questionable. You watched Blackenstein? If only. I actually like picked, I used the trailer for Blackenstein and Blackula. And I think there's also a, like a Dr. Blackell and Mr. Hyde. Like it's
2: not called that, but it's like- Dr. Doctor Black and Mr. Hyde, I think. Is that what it
1: is? Dr. Blackell doesn't sound that very good. No, that Dr. Black is- <laughs> Yeah, Mr. Black. Mr. Black! <laughs> yeah, it's I picked the trailer for that one, but the movies that we actually watched, it was a Denzel Washington double bill, so good start, you would think, but it was Carbon Copy, which was his first movie, and it's essentially about a Jewish man who finds out that he has a kid, and surprise, it's Denzel Washington. And I guess he had had, I don't know if he had an affair or if he just was very close with his cleaning woman. It was kind of implied, but <laughs> like very close. And so he ends up and then his rich wife was not pleased and so he basically he loses his job and his wife and everything because he has a black son in 1981 yeah it's uh
2: so it's like that movie made in America where Whoopi Goldberg's daughter finds out that her dad is Ted Danson
1: (laughs) yeah it's exactly like that but
2: (laughs) much worse here's a
1: double bill for you yeah that would have been good instead the second one was it had your boy uh, Bob Hoskins it was Heart Condition from
0: 1990 oh that one I've heard of I haven't
2: seen either of those movies
1: carbon Copy is highly recommended. It's wrong, but it's hilarious how rough it is.
0: I never even heard of that.
1: I hadn't either, to be honest. But there's a nice Blu-ray release of it. uh, Both of them. Shout Factory, I think. I think I'm pretty sure it is. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: And the other one was Bob Hoskins. is a cop, and he needs a heart. A racist cop. I should be clear. And and it's important that i point out that distinction obviously he he needs a heart and then denzel washington is a lawyer who gets in a car crash and gets his heart and then all of a sudden he can see the ghost of denzel and nobody else can and he tries to help him solve his own murder <laughs> and so it's. That sounds like Ghost. Yeah, it, it was pretty much Ghost, but it was.
2: Ghost without the romance.
1: Yeah, it was boring. There might have been a forced romance. Or, or th- I think there kind of was. It was like he didn't know he had a son, like Denzel had a son. It didn't end up being a white Jewish kid. That would have been a great tie in with Carbon Copy. But <laughs> so, like, then Hoskins makes the nice with the girlfriend or whatever and the kid and he looks after him, or whatever. And oh, he's not racist anymore. Yay, everything's solved. So it, it was pretty rough. But Carbon Copy, I can recommend in a like, oh my God, I can't believe this exists way but it is not good
0: in your mentioning of black history month so in the past few days now three days i've spent the better part just kind of knocking this off my checklist and i've been in the trenches of our poster room i've Found a bunch of treasure, I've put a bunch of stuff out for sale, I've thrown out a bunch of stuff, and like, nobody worry, I'm not throwing out, you know, the original 2001 poster or anything like that, it's just, it's like, we have 10 copies of a movie that no one's ever heard of that has Ben Affleck in it, and the poster is just Ben's giant head, and I'm like, I don't think anyone wants that over the mantelpiece. Was is it Paycheck?
1: That one, that John Woo no, one. No,
0: <laughs> not even like a vintage one like that. It's like a brand new film where he's like a basketball coach, and they all sent... the way back.
2: Yeah, and they sent
0: us like fifteen posters, <laughs> and it's like, well, I don't think anyone wants those. Oh man, harsh. But I did find, speaking of, I found just some neat stuff like Blackula, Superfly, Shaft, mm. that kind of stuff. Oh man, and then some black exploitation movies that have the N word in the poster Mm. and it was like wow we can't put that on the marquee yeah i did
1: use the trailer for boss n-word you know which is an amazing theme song i'm gonna say it i could never say the title but that theme song rules
0: so yeah we have this treasure trove in the basement and so i'm gonna be like crazy grandpa and be like no one ever does anything in the post room without me there now because it's gonna be (laughs) all nice and alphabetized and figured out and also we have it recently uncovered we found a big stack of vintage Mayfair schedules and people have loved those and putting them online and stuff Mm -hmm. and that kind of led to our conversation of talking about how in the old days of the Mayfair, not the old old days, but my old days, my high school days there, it was just funny how there was no, it was very easy for a kid to sneak into an R-rated movie. Nobody blinked. And I think the statute of limitations have passed enough by now that we can talk about this without getting anybody in trouble. <laughs> but in looking at these schedules, the one that stood out to me was at the age of 14, I went to see the R-rated double bill of Frankenhooker and, and Wild at Heart. Those are both real R-rated movies. And when I was 14, I looked like I was about 10. And I still got in. <laughs> and so... They needed the money. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. You were keeping them there open and then later on running it yourself. And it's funny now because we were chatting about how now in Ontario, some people don't realize this if you're listening from out of town. Or I know Eric just didn't even realize this, that we're in this weird wild west right now where Ontario doesn't have a rating system. I think Andrew you knew a bit about that when that started up.
2: I think what happened was the Ford government axed the uh Ontario Film Board. Or I think they're called the Ontario Film Authority, which sounds crazy
0: to just be like, "Yeah, we don't need that anymore."
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, they weren't making any money like they needed to. They need to make money and I guess they weren't they weren't bringing home the the government bacon, I guess. So
0: yeah, I don't know how you would make money at such a thing.
2: Well, I think when I think films when they apply for ratings, it costs money. Oh,
0: okay. Yeah, right, right.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know a whole lot about that business, but they needed to make. They're supposed to make money, and they weren't.
0: I think you're right. Yeah. So if if you're a British film or an American film, the strange thing is, I know it it is provincial, so that's weird. Where sometimes a French film in Quebec might have a rating. And even though the Ottawa border is right there, it won't come over here because they didn't go to the trouble of getting a rating. So now that's changed because we don't have any, so we can just play whatever. But it's just an interesting thing to think about that now. You know, I'm not going to let a five-year-old into a Lars von Trier movie, but... It makes that sense of like letting a bunch of 15 year olds into The Shining or Exorcist at Halloween a little easier. And I don't feel like a mean old man for not letting the kids in to see their fun movies at Halloween.
1: <laughs> yeah, you're still doing your part by sort of paying it forward now, I guess. Where you're like, yeah, I don't know if you're uh, really 14, but uh, I guess you can see whatever. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what's 14A anymore. I have no concept. Joy
0: Yeah, sir. Exactly.
1: <laughs> That's Josh now. <laughs> like, Uh, I probably shouldn't be letting this kid in, but whatever.
0: I just always think of The Simpsons with the Barton Fink, Barton Fink. Yeah, yeah. Because I wish I could remember the example, but I know in the past decade of being at the Mayfair, there have been a couple times where kids have come to a 14A art house movie knowing that it had some sexual content or was violent or whatever, and it ended up being some highbrow art house thing that confused them and scared them and gave them nightmares. And they walked away sad (laughs) that they weren't seeing some revenge of the nerds or porkies of its time. Yeah. Coming in for Eraserhead. They're like, Oh, we're not supposed to see this. I bet it's good. That's a good example. I saw Eraserhead. So my high school years was 89 to 94 and my friends and I just lived there. And there was stuff like Eraserhead that I saw and just that sense of, of like, oh, I should not be watching this. <laughs> and, and then I saw Dune, and the Mayfair was all double bills at the time, almost seven days a week. I think the only time they weren't is if they might be showing some three-hour, three-and-a-half-hour epic, which was a rarity. But besides for that, it was always double bills. And I didn't even really like Dune. I love David Lynch, but I didn't really like Dune. And I swear, I probably saw it twice a year maybe even more just because it was popular and in rotation. And I'd be like, whatever, like, Oh, Eric, the Vikings, the first movie I'm going to stick around and watch Dune.
1: Did you ever go early? Like, like after, before the movie was over, would you like leave? Cause you're like, all right, I know how this is ending. I gotta, I want to go, I want to go home.
0: I totally didn't. <laughs> Whether that's, honorable or stupid eh. my friends and i would just be like i don't know it was a sense of like if we give up on a movie we don't like it beat us yeah you know <laughs> like we we have to finish this i've never
1: walked out of a movie have you, have you guys ever walked out of a movie never
2: i think i've only done it once And it was at the Mayfair. Oh boy! (laughs) Like when you worked there? Uh, would have been before. Okay.
0: Was it for boredom or being offended?
2: I feel it was for a a Takeshi Miike movie. I kind of hate admitting this because I, (laughs) you know, I do like like I've seen audition, which is yeah, fantastic. There's a movie called Visitor Q and there was like, I think I was there to watch. I think I went there to see Mean Streets or something like we were showing. It was the first month of the reopening. I think Mean Streets was playing and I went to see that. And then I think maybe classic. I don't know if it was the same night or not. I don't know how good my memory is, but Visitor Q was the late show.
1: <laughs> it broke you?
2: Well, yeah, because there, there was stuff about there was like incest and rape in it. Yeah. And I felt, I mean, I probably should have stuck it out or maybe I'll give the movie another chance because I'm not really like prudish or anything but no. I felt being in public I don't know I just got kind of a dirty feeling
0: <laughs> oh for sure yeah
2: and yeah I just like Serbian film is another one where mm-hmm. you know we can we showed that movie that's another like endurance test oh yeah I got dumped for watching that but I, I watched that at home so it was different I was able to sort of you know I didn't I, I wasn't in public where I'd feel shame Yeah, you still felt shame a little <laughs> bit though. yeah oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah that that's a tough one.
0: Wait, Eric, did you bring a date to Serbian film? <laughs> oh, I don't have those kind of guts. Serbian
2: film I watched at home because we showed it, but I think I got a screener of it because I just, oh, well, I'll watch it at home. I forget what the reason was. Well, there's good reason. And I watched the whole thing, and that movie's pretty messed up to say the least. It's well shot though, I will say it's well made. I don't think we should go into what happens at the end, but it's very- Yeah,
1: uh... or in the middle or most anywhere in the movie. <laughs> yeah, I mean,
2: just, uh, you'll have to, we'll leave it to our audience
1: to- Yeah, there that. was, I had an incident with that movie. I got dumped because I wanted to see that movie. And my girlfriend at the time had like read about- Just
2: because you wanted to see it?
1: Exactly, because I was like, oh, I want to see that. Because it was controversial. There was a lot of people talking about it. And my girlfriend read a synopsis and was like, I don't want you to see that movie. And she was younger than me, like seven years younger than me. And I was like, well, I'm going to see it. I'm a grown man. And she was like, no, Like, you have to promise me you'll never watch that movie. And I was like, I promise you, I will watch that movie.
0: <laughs> then it's like a dare. You're like, now I'm going to do it.
1: Oh, yeah. She was hyping me up like crazy. And it wasn't.
2: And then you went to the you went to the box office and there was a picture of you. <laughs> oh, God. I promised your girlfriend we wouldn't let you in. Yeah,
1: do not sell to this boy.
2: <laughs> oh, no.
1: <laughs> I also watched it in the discomfort of my own home. Like, yeah, it's not like I loved it, but. You know, it was, I just was, at that point, I was too stubborn to, because I was like, I'm sorry, person. I don't care if it was like my parents or who it is, but I'm like, you're not going to tell me I'm I forbidden to watch a movie when I'm t- late 20s, you know? Like, it's absurd. So, anyway, and then, so she obviously, she broke up with me for a, about two or three hours. And then we were back together. And then she was like, well, I want to watch the movie with you, you know, because then maybe it'll take away the stigma of it. And I was like, no, I don't think you want to watch the movie. like, And so we did. We watched it. I watched it a second time. She lasted 45 minutes, which was actually way longer than I expected.
2: That's a, that's, that's not bad. I
1: know. I was shocked. Like, she was she was not loving it. I couldn't even tell you the exact scene, but, I mean, you could probably guess that, it, like, it, it, she was she was not loving it. Yeah. <laughs> but that, I always think of that movie now.
0: It's like no spoilers slash you don't want to oh, yeah. offend somebody by saying what it is.
1: It's not really spoilers so much as it's just... Horrible. Yeah, but it, like I say, it is well shot. It's it's a real movie, you know? It's, it's better than people think, but it's not something I can recommend.
0: I remember a person who I haven't seen for years, and this might be why, I don't know, was... <laughs> Was really mad that we were screening Human Centipede. And just because it kind of got some buzz at the time, and that movie didn't deserve any of the attention it got. Like, it wasn't one of those movies that's really shocking and daring and deserving of of spite or deserving of protest. And it wasn't really good and deserving (laughs) of defense. Like, it was just. And I remember going with a couple of friends, and we were chanting Barton Fink. We were like, Human Centipede. (laughs) and went with two friends we were geared up we were excited we were ready to be grossed out and offended and then it was just like going on a really bad roller coaster that didn't do any loop-de-loops and kind of at the end you're like eh that was okay I guess like it wasn't gory it was kind of because you knew what the gross thing was, it was kind of like, well, whatever. And I think that movie's kind of nobody really cares now. It's it's not like a, a really weird movie like head or it's not like one of those Cannibal Ferox kind of movies. I, it doesn't deserve what the hype was.
2: Well, I guess when there's a polish to it and a you know some there's real craftsmanship behind it, that gives you some psychological distance because you know, okay, well this is just yeah, a movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As opposed to, like, maybe seeing Last House on the Left for the first time in 1972. Mm -hmm. And it's really rough and gritty. And it looks like it was made by crazy people.
1: Yeah, like Texas Chainsaw as well. Like, that's one of its biggest powers.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it looks like... Yeah, I always imagine people going to see... Texas Chainsaw or Last House or those kind of movies and just being shell-shocked like just not knowing what they were getting into because especially that era what like a thriller was a Hitchcock movie you know what was a horror film back then so yeah so when you have that to compare your legacy to at offending viewers nowadays it's a different beast Mm -hmm.
1: well and much like the Texas Chainsaw it was the second movie in both those franchises was the one that was actually gory and gross oh yeah Yeah. what what you were thinking of
2: the second one's a comedy so it doesn't for sure you know
1: yeah I used to hate it but I love it now like it took the first time I saw the second one I was like this is terrible like this is just dumb and then it just wears you down like the sets are really cool and it's absurd but I don't know there's some I think like Hopper sells it obviously that's a big part Bill Mosley yeah Dennis Hopper
0: and it's funny like on the same kind of r-rated topic but completely different genre it's funny no matter how old you are where you don't want to watch a movie with your parent because there's something in it that would make you feel squeamish when you're sitting beside them especially in a cinema like talk about being uncomfortable in a cinema and i remember my mom wanted to go see blue is the warmest color just because she heard about it, that she heard it was acclaimed and award winning and really great, and it is all those things. Spielberg liked it. <laughs> really?
2: I love that
0: movie. Well, because
2: he was it won Palm Dor at the Cannes Film Festival that oh, year. Oh, and he was the guy. I think Spielberg was the president of the jury. So they all voted
0: they all voted that as the best film. And it's a movie where it's based on a comic book. And I, by crazy happenstance, read it. By Stan Lee. By Z yeah, it's a superhero Oh, book. wow. No, it's not. It's not. It's a... No,
1: no, I, I believe Andrew. He would never lie
0: about that. <laughs> Andrew's lying. But <laughs> it has some very kind of R-rated sex scenes in it. And just... Even as a grown-up, I remember telling my mom that I was like, this is very immature, and I'm just going to be honest, I don't want to be sitting beside you watching this at a movie theater at the Mayfair. Oh, and so it's funny that whether you're, for me, whether you're a little kid who your mom rented Risky Business because it kind of looks like a John Hughes movie if you see a trailer for it and was covering my eyes so I didn't see certain parts of Or vice versa, when I was a grown-up and she wanted to go see a movie that she didn't realize was racy. Yeah, that never goes away. You always have that feeling with your parents, I think.
1: Yeah, even tame stuff like when my mom took me to Titanic and I was like, the sketching scene is like,
0: Ugh. Oh, for sure. It's not even
1: bad. Like, it's just, but it's just, I think it's especially when it's your mother. Like even like with my dad, it's like, I don't know. I mean, he doesn't really like, you know, gory stuff for horror or stuff like that. So it's kind of different, but I remember like with my mom I'm just like, no, you're, a, you're a mother. You're, you're so innocent. And, you know, you've you've never seen this stuff before. Oh God!
0: Yeah, and opposite because I grew up in the VHS days. We all grew up in the video store days. But I, when I was a kid, it was like the heyday when, like, I remember that poster of Raiders of the Lost Ark up on the wall at a pseudo video store corner store, and it said ninety nine ninety five on it, which is so crazy yeah. nowadays. Because yeah. nowadays. When I look at something, I go, oh, that Blu-ray is expensive and it's $40. But at the time, $100 was what you had to pay if you wanted to bring home a a high-quality VHS of Raiders (laughs) of the Lost Ark. But I remember my dad rented Shakedown, which, when you look at it, just looks like a buddy cop movie. And it's Peter Weller and Sam Shepard in it. But it's super, of its time, R-rated, gratuitous nudity, gratuitous violence. I don't remember the plot. I think it's a very basic plot. But I remember that feeling of sitting there with my dad when i was like 11 or 12 and him kind of going like oh oops like thinking that it was just an average buddy cop movie but we watched it and got through it and i was fine i didn't get scarred for life or anything
2: yeah well not because of that anyway speaking of movies you don't want to watch
0: with your parents yeah
2: or <laughs> any of your siblings arrow video has a, a streaming service now and they did a uh, a restoration of this film from the 80s called White Fire. Oh, so good. Which is like, yeah, you've seen this, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's amazing. It's this really sleazy exploitation movie from 1984, and it stars Robert Ginty, who played the Exterminator. Oh, yeah. The Exterminator is another sleazy exploitation death ripoff, and that was actually from the director of Shakedown. Oh, man, great double bill!
0: That's a crazy coincidence.
2: Anyway, White Fire, how do I explain this movie? <laughs> On the surface, it's sort of like a almost like a jewel of the Nile or romancing the stone kind of diamond heist kind of it was shot in Turkey, it was shot in Istanbul. So it's a very exotic adventure thriller. It starts off with these two kids, a brother and sister who become orphaned because their parents are gunned down on the beach by the military or some sort of like totalitarian government regime, they never make it clear. And the kids are running away, and they're saved by this random old guy who just happens to be there. And he takes them in and becomes their foster father. The brother and sister grow up to be diamond thieves. The brother has a weird attraction, incestuous thing for his sister. There's a scene where she's skinny dipping, and he's kind of... It's really like, speaking of movies that will you'll get dumped over. <laughs> Been there. <laughs> I have to explain this because it's part of this really nonsensical, crazy plot where everybody's after this radioactive diamond that's in this mine and it's called White Fire. Anyway, the sister is, after the brother hits on the skinny dipping sister, she's murdered. He's, of course, devastated. And then the foster dad's like, well, we need to get our revenge. So let's find this random woman who kind of looks like your sister. We'll send her to get plastic surgery where she'll look exactly like your sister of course they just bring the the actress who played the sister back amazing that way the bad guys think the sister's still alive and she knows where the diamonds are really i don't know if i'm explaining this clearly enough or well enough is that possible yeah anyway there's uh i'll just summarize more craziness there's a chainsaw fight on a dock there's a scene where a guy gets bandsawed in the legs
0: what else this seems like it'd be prime for like a nick cage remake or something
2: very much so very much so. isn't there cocaine involved that's point like obviously behind the scenes but like behind the scenes yeah this was probably <laughs> a movie yeah that yeah uh, the actors were probably paid in cocaine yeah the best part is the theme song
1: as well though i gotta point that out yeah
2: it's got an amazing 80s uh catchy theme song that you can find on youtube there's the bad guy works at this diamond mind and he's got an underground layer that looks like something out of a really bad science fiction film and he's got all these henchmen who dress up like dark helmets henchmen from Spaceballs? So oh, yeah, so yeah, it's it's just a it's just an insane movie, and it's so it's so out there and so entertaining. Again, we're living in this golden age where all these crazy exploitation movies are being remastered in 4k and they look phenomenal oh yeah i was just watching *Masquerade* at central high the other night that's another one that's another great movie great that, movie i just got another blu-ray release that's another crazy wtf kind of experience cinematic <laughs> experience it's so
1: good like that's the thing like these aren't for everyone but man if you just if you just love entertaining trash i guess i don't know how i'm saying that affectionately too. Like
2: it's, tra- it's total trash but it's it's not boring
1: no never
2: you know Movies like that, there's always something around the corner in every scene where you're just putting your hands in the air going, like, what the hell am I watching? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, why is this happening? This doesn't. And I think, you know, it was directed by a French guy. Like, and I'm thinking, OK, I'm sure all this made sense to him. So maybe <laughs> is is there some sort of is there something being lost in translation or is this guy just nuts? That's part of the joy of watching these movies.
1: Yeah, they're pretty astounding. Like, and the amount of the amount of love that they put into them. And like, I had a personal attachment to White Fire because I think I must have seen it on YouTube or something like that back in the day. But the theme song, like my friend Ben and I, just both really loved it. Like, unironically. And so when we were we were (laughs) yeah, it's so good. (laughs) And when we were working together, like years back, I used to play that as like our end of shift song. And so at like four twenty-five or you know whatever time it was, I would play it, and that's when everyone knew it was the end of the day, and we would all just like
2: air guitar rock out to that song it's got kind of a duran duran sound to it yeah and it's, I don't just, know.
1: it's irresistible i'm gonna say it
2: i don't know what else you could compare it to but yeah it's very it's very catchy
1: it's a particular sound and it yeah. totally works much like the mutilator theme song like fall break that's that's uh oh my god you know if you got a catchy
2: song you're good well that i actually watched the mutilator fairly recently and it's it's you know it's a typical slasher film you know kids going away to Mm -hmm. the cottage but the way it opens it opens like it's just like a regular teen comedy yeah definitely and the theme song is like we're gonna go on a vacation or it's spring break or something (laughs) fall break we're going on a fall break and it's like (laughs) ha You know, if you're channel surfing and and you come across that, you'd think you're watching like an Animal <laughs> House ripoff. Yeah,
1: I have the 7-inch of that uh, autographed by the director. Oh, God. Yeah, the original 7-inch. He had a stack of them. Yeah, That's my claim to fame, I guess.
0: It's the interesting thing about the age of cinema right now, both for home viewing and for Mayfair type cinemas, is that a lot of people thought the death of 35 millimeter was this big, brooding, dooming death of film. But what's really happened is both with the Kind of mainstream, highbrow stuff, whether it be 2001 or Lawrence of Arabia, those kind of movies are getting big, fancy restorations. But just the amount of trash treasure that we have screened in the past 10 years now but since we went digital say seven six years ago whenever that was it's astounding this stuff that would have never seen a cinema screen before because it would have been lost to kind of that video store era and so every time we screen one of these weird action usa lost pieces of cinema i just love it
2: that are literally literally just sitting in in a projection booth somewhere yeah yeah or in a warehouse and the right people find it, and they scan it uh, in 2K or 4K, give it a rescue, a restoration. And it's it's never, you know, movies like that have never looked better. They look amazing like they were shot yesterday, and, and they're available now for like an entirely new audience. And they get the attention that they would otherwise wouldn't have gotten.
0: And there is a thing of, we are kind of laughing at them, but I think also it's, it's impressive, and I think kind of fans of that genre of cinema really do appreciate it and it is impressive still to see whether it's filled with bonkers stunts or just like a uh, big imagination or just that they did it I, I really do unironically am impressed when one of these movies even if it's not a masterpiece gets made just because any movie is hard to make so when somebody actually manages to slap together a 90 minute or two hour movie and it's kind of nice that to think that if they're still around, they would have thought, oh, my movie's gone, my movie's lost, my movie's on a shelf. And it's kind of neat for them, I'm sure, that it's out there. We, we, we've we had guests, like uh, the actor from Troll 2, and he knew what he was in, and you could see the joy in his face of just talking to the crowd and meeting people. And so it's kind of nice that these weird bits of cinema that once upon a time would be gone forever are getting out there now, kind of thanks to this digital age that we're in.
2: Well, like even good movies too, like, Wake and Fright, the Australian film. Oh yeah, I believe we showed it. It's this really great, really dark, kind of creepy. It's not a horror movie, but it's very dark, and it's this school teacher who goes out to the outback and just gets involved in like like he goes out to the outback and just it's has this like crazy like lost weekend with all these drunks and there's like kangaroo hunting and it's just he goes into this crazy abyss. And that movie is a good example of what we're talking about because. That movie came out in like 1971 and I don't think anyone saw it. I think Martin Scorsese saw it at the Cannes Film Festival mm. when it originally played and he was blown away by it. And then it just kind of went away and it was lost for years and people were trying to find the film to like give it a re-release and it was found in like middle America and like a, a warehouse in a box that said to be trashed or to be thrown out. So and and then of course it, it was found and restored by I think Alamo Drafthouse re-released it. This was just a few years ago.
0: Yeah, those stories are crazy.
2: Yeah, it got rediscovered and it's like this lost masterpiece. And it was you know so close to literally just being thrown in the dumpster and never never to be seen again. And so yeah, it's really like it's a great time to be. We're in the era of streaming and Netflix and like you know at the same time all these sort of obscure forgotten movies are miraculously being rescued and restored. And they, and, they, and again, they've never with all this technology, all the, all these digital scanning technologies that we have, like they've never looked better.
0: Well, the first movie that Gwen and I watched on our fancy new digital system at the Mayfair years back was Santa Claus Conquers the Martians. <laughs> and it was hilarious because I'm familiar with it. And Pia Zadora. Yeah, and it, it's a Mr. <laughs> Science Theater movie, but we had screened it on 16mm, and it was barely hanging on. And so it was hilarious to watch this movie, like which is not It's a Wonderful Life or Miracle on 34th Street, but to watch this movie... And, oh, my God, it looked like it was the pristine restoration. It was beautiful. And so, yeah, it's it's nice that all the movies are getting to be seen now in an easier manner. And it's good for little independent present-day filmmakers. Way easier to get your stuff on digital than on 35-millimeter prints. And imagine that era of sending... 35 millimeter prints out to film festivals and stuff like that's crazy to me. Yeah. The shipping costs alone. Oh, for real. Yeah. If if you're like a little no budget filmmaker and you got to pay to send your one film print to New York and then get it back. That's a lot of money.
1: You might as well just drive it around yourself at that point.
0: Could have been, yeah, very much like.
1: Last night they—I don't know if you guys heard about this—but they opened up the George Romero archives for the first time. Oh, cool! They did like a Zoom thing.
2: Yeah, I gotta check that out. Yeah, it
1: was neat. I think they recorded it and it's online now. But like, I jumped in while it was live for like the last twenty minutes, and it was like obviously really cool and like a lot of unproduced screenplays and stuff like that. But like one of the more well, to me, one of the more interesting things they they mentioned is that they have a director's cut of Night Riders which is, I think on a VHS, but oh my God. they said it's 20 minutes longer and that this was the original version he, sh- he showed to like potential investors. And then afterwards they gave notes and whatever, and he trimmed 20 minutes out of it. But like, that's a crazy cast. Like, I mean, Ed Harris, it's so good. Like, Ed Harris is so good in it. Yeah,
2: that's a great movie. Yeah,
1: and, and it was fascinating. I highly recommend people checking out that Zoom call or whatever you want to call it.
0: I'm sure that'll hit the restoration people down and we'll have that on our screen in a couple years, hopefully.
1: The amusement park is coming soon. Oh, yeah. Probably this year, I think.
0: Uh, okay, so we're going to start wrapping up now. I think we actually did well of our secret error We didn't screw up last time podcast of hitting all of our marks. So I will say that we do have some stuff up on Mayfair Virtual Cinema. You can find that through our website, mayfairtheatre.ca. Fingers crossed, maybe we'll be back on February 19th. We don't know right at the moment, but we'll know soon. And thanks for listening, everybody. Stay tuned to our social media. You can find updates there as soon as we have them. And fingers crossed, we'll be back screening movies in february maybe we shall see right. so thanks for listening everybody bye bye now i hope we get the new nick cage movie one more week <laughs> oh we're gonna get that nick cage movie
1: we did it i hope Yay. so did it work tell me it worked
0: yeah it's still recording we did it fine
1: and to rush through that nick cage thing thank god i got that in there
2: you always gotta get a nick cage reference in.
1: <laughs> i know i didn't get to bring up the fact that there's a tarantino cameo in that other one but it's not out for a few months so we'll bring that up later yeah andrew knows that's all that matters
0: Seismograph readings indicate white fire, a carbon diamond of great size. White fire. White fire. The legend purports that the white fire has fatal powers.
1: We got some competition, Sam. Some Italian woman named Sophia seems to be the
2: leader.
0: I want that white fire at any cost.
2: Give me the diamonds. What do they want? They wanted to be our partner, Sam. You will want your sister alive.
0: Okay, there were a few problems.
1: They know the whole operation.
0: I detest Physical violence. What's one lousy life? For the white fire diamond. Don't you see? If we can get it, we can finally leave this place forever.
1: You sure you want to go through with this?
0: I'm doing this for you why Because I love you
2: you're taking it easy don't worry about me. Watch out!